0: killer bees definitely
1: a fan of the killer bees
0: don't sweat the
1: technique
0: live from the Veritex community bank studios here comes the fastest three hours in houston sports radio here's joe blank and jeremy branham oh hell yeah you about to get all stung up Ooh, what up h-town hey
2: how we doing <laughs> he's blank on branham it's joe george behind the glass it is a Monday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety and ESPN 92.5. May I ask what was that? I just started to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> it
3: was goofy. Yeah, well, sometimes I am a little goofy. Jeremy, I know have, you haven't noticed that, but that's fine. I just sometimes
2: I liked it. Mix it up a little bit. I, I thought maybe I like it. you're
1: losing your voice a little bit, so you had to pitch it down.
2: Like it was like it, it was like a you know what it was? It was like a quarterback giving a cadence, trying to draw the defense offsides. Trying to keep the defense off balance. Yeah, I could've yelled Omaha. But I did. Omaha action. <laughs> Omaha. You went, Omaha. What up, Omaha? Hey, how are we there doing? You go. See if anybody's
3: paying attention. You should do that as a I, bit. I Just throw in random cities. For the College World Series during the
2: week of the College it's World not not Series. not a bad idea. What Get up, that. Omaha? There Get you that. go. Put that in the, uh, that. the old yeah. memory bank. Put that in the memory bank there. Yeah. Uh, the Astros played a baseball series over the weekend, uh, they took two of three. Good thing that the Rangers lost yesterday. Because I think that we feel a little bit differently today. Like, we, we don't get upset with series victories. Uh Can we critique a series finale loss? Absolutely. Do you not know who we are? We can critique anything. That's right. But y- you're, you're going to be happy with a, with a series win. If the Rangers would have swept San Francisco in San Francisco yesterday, I, I don't think that that happiness, that happiness level is there. I I feel like the Rangers getting walked off by San Francisco in the 10th inning yesterday kind of saved the tone of the Astros series victory. I think you're right. You and I were both watching that game
3: after the Astros game too and I think it's the way it all went down because of the fact that the Giants finally had a lead for the majority of that game yesterday and with two outs in the ninth inning found a way to allow it to get tied up. Then it looked like they were going to lose on a balk and then thankfully, found a way to hit a walk-off and win it. But if they lose that game and the way that it would have happened for the Rangers, it would have exacerbated everything times 10 because, one, now it does matter that you didn't sweep the Angels and you thought that going into the series up for both teams, you thought the Giants are a really good team. We're going to at least get one or two from the Rangers at home. That didn't happen. And if they had swept the the Giants and you'd have lost the game and lost ground... I think you're absolutely right. I think we'd be talking about a different story with a orange drinking uh, Kool Aid fan base that's gonna that would have their daubers down and start being deeply concerned about where this team
2: is. Let's get to the good, bad, and the ugly from the Astros series. Who, Hunter Mashinsky. I call him Mashinsky. I think is it Parker? Yeah, I'm, I, I I don't <laughs> care
3: what his first name is <laughs> yeah. anymore. My point is because I don't want to see him on the roster anymore. Really? I I, I just look you you talk about the good bad and the ugly in a microcosm. The good is he comes in and gets a double play ball and I'm like, "Okay, I'm not I mean, I understand that Phil Maton got, you know, hit Yeah, and yeah, and so he he's he's on the IL. I guess we have to face another stint with another guy from Sugarland. Double play ball. I'm like, "Okay. All right. Maybe that there's some that Pam, boom. Monster <laughs> shot from Otani, and I'm like, good and bad, the whole thing's ugly. I'm tired of seeing guys get called up from Sugarland just to crap the bed on the major league level.
2: I didn't think you were gonna lead with Parker Mashinsky. But, <laughs> but like
3: you and, <laughs> and, and, and for the loop it, was it uh our good friend Sean that uh came up with an even better name for him,
2: Joe, that we yeah, can't, can't say use that on oh, the air. Yeah. Can't say that but one. One. it was pretty accurate. Stinky. Pretty FCC accurate. might not like that one a whole lot. It was stinky Hunter, so, Hunter Mapoopsky. Who do you want him up in who do you want up in a spot? I mean... Because your options are probably Belak and... uh, Blanco, I guess. I think Blanco had a really good start the last time out. So... At least Blanco, you and and I have
3: talked about, it might not be that he's fully learned how to be a pitcher in the major leagues, but he's got stuff, right? He's got stuff that can play on the big league level. The Mashinskis and the Belaks
2: of the world, I I don't need to see anymore. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of just... you're. You're down a man. You're, you're down a man, which is kind of stinks because mayton at least he didn't break his elbow because I was ready for the Mayton is made of glass tweets because if well, he had his elbow broken on that liner – Would you call him soft? No. Okay. No, no, no. I would have called his bone soft. Right. Uh, but not him specifically. Not Lesbo He Needs more milk. No. Yeah, needs more milk. Like if you break your hand punching a locker and then you get a broken elbow on a comebacker, I, I had some tweets ready to go. I had some tweets ready to go. So, but I'm happy that it wasn't. I was not rooting for a Phil Mayton injury. Although, but, that is one of my goods. Did in the back? No, I thought, I thought it was elbow. Really? After the look of the replay where it was kind of like first base camera-ish, yeah. it, it looked like elbow to me. The first like live action and then the first replay I
3: saw looked like he got hit up in the hip or kind of in the lower back, upper
2: hip area. And then all of a sudden it was elbow. Uh, yeah. I mean, the broadcasters were saying back, too. So I think it probably okay. kind of confused some. Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of people thought – I even saw tweets. But most people thought he got hit in the back. Mm-hmm. But when they showed that second look, or maybe even third look, you could kind of tell that it looked like it grazed the elbow or at least caught the elbow before it ricocheted. I think it caught both, to be quite honest. But that was actually one of my goods. <laughs> you lead Mashinsky, I lead Maton. Not that I'm rooting for Maton to get hurt, but we know that Maton was pretty good at the start of the year. Right. Like, this little regroup, 15-day injured list, I think could maybe get – Phil Maton back on track. I think this could get him going again. I think him not pitching for two weeks is going to be good for the remainder of the season for Phil Maton. Well, you know what, Jeremy? I thought the same thing about Abreu
3: when they put him on the I.L. I thought, you know what? You and I, in all the full season of talking about Jose Abreu, my biggest thing was they just need to sit him down for a week or two. And he just needs to get right. Now, whether this was all season or not, and at least good on him for at least saying I'm not going to use this as an excuse, but it has been there. If you can shut him down for a week or two The season, maybe and maybe for the rest of the regular season or close to it, but forever. <laughs> That's not gonna happen because you still gotta pay. This him. is
2: gonna end his career. It's a retirement injury it's a it's a career ending injury, lower minor back strain. I just think between <laughs> him and Mayton Some rest
3: could do them both good. I mean, the same way we do, we're talking about with pitchers and giving skipping them in the rotation and giving them more time to recover. There's no doubt Maton has been gassed, and he's been used as much and more than he's ever used in his career. He needs rest. Abreu needs maybe more than that, but at least we can start with rest. And now that we've got a viable option at first base with John Singleton, I think it's time for both of those guys to just try and get right mentally and physically and sit down for a while.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I hope this was what what was bothering Abreu. I mean, look, career numbers, back of baseball card. Abreu is old, and like players hit that pretty quickly, right? Right. Uh, you know, sometimes they, they they do fall off a cliff. I am rooting that this was Abreu's woes in 2023. I hope that the back issue was the reason that he slowed down so much. I never expected Abreu to to play to the back of his baseball card because he's in his late 30s. Is it? fair to hope that Abreu is better next year and that he's under contract the year after that as well than he was this year because of back injuries? I hope. I hope that is the reason. I'm not going to say it is the reason, but I certainly hope that is the reason. Uh, A couple of uh, other goods that I had. The offense was really good in general until yesterday. Yesterday was the obvious exception, but Friday and Saturday, look, I understand the Angels pitching is mediocre and maybe below mediocre, but the Astros took advantage of that. The Astros took advantage of that mediocre pitch and you saw the offense start to click. You're scoring double-digit runs Friday and Saturday. Now, it's tough to say this because you scored one yesterday against a rookie pitcher, but you're starting to see signs of this offense starting to click on most cylinders because you still, you're not on all cylinders. Jordan is like a tick away from being Jordan Alvarez. Uh, Jeremy Pena's been better, but still not. You know, Jeremy Pena's power has disappeared. So you're getting closer offensively than where you've been all year long. So I thought the offense was good up until yesterday. Yeah, you are right, and you never can
3: complain when you have the production that you had the first two games. And of course, you were hoping that yesterday again capitalize on you know a less than stellar pitcher and and just go get the work done that you needed to get done to finish the sweep. You had opportunities, didn't cash in. It was just one of those games. You know, it's a shame that you are sitting there talking in a one-one game or getting to a it was a one-nothing game, and Mashinsky, the guy that gives up the home run, that ends up being the difference. At that time, you were wondering if you're going to get on the board, but then when you lose two to one, you're like, "Come on, man! You know you can blame Hunter Mashinsky. Uh, but you know." And I'm going to keep calling him that, Joe, because I really, I just don't want to see him again. And <laughs> I, I just, I don't have.
1: As long as we just make sure everyone knows it's a bit. Like, it's, a it's a bit. Okay. Yeah. It's a bit. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't want you to play, be put in that category, Joe. I'm looking out. No, because
3: you know, <laughs> there's a lot. Hunter Hunter Brown obviously was the guy that was the not really talked about guy in the minor leagues. Came up and he was good, really good for it right away, and then he's been up and down. Well. He's got the up-and-down part already cleared up for me. He's been up-and-down a lot, and I don't think he's Hunter Brown, so he's Hunter Mashinsky.
1: Obviously, I think the good's really simple from this weekend. Friday night was supposed to be Justin Verlander day, his first start back at Minute Maid as a Houston Astro, something we never thought we were going to see. Instead, it was John Singleton. Like, what happened this weekend is one of the most remarkable, incredible stories we have ever seen in sports. It's a great story. The fact – his last home run was in 2015 for the Astros, and he went deep twice this weekend. Like – it's the bat flips a plus, like everything about it was awesome. It's he hits
2: like, tanks and flips bats.
1: It's comeback player of the year. Give it to him. <sighs> oh, like it's why? Hyperbolic. What's that old school?
2: What's the old school why? song? Why? Why not? Two home runs in the entire I season. Honestly, like, I don't care. I, it's clear you don't. Yeah, you don't, and that's <laughs> no, why you would real, never have a vote. It's either. not a
1: real <laughs> award, anyways. It's a stupid award.
2: Oh man, we need to
3: have the. Isn't that the the, the old school song? Big John. Big bad John. Big Bad John. We should just whenever he does something good, we should have that bit that that audio lined up. Because again, we talk about we talk about Astros Twitter. You want to get something anything you want to talk about something that that is the most one of the most divisive topics for Astros fans? Just throw John Singleton's name out there. I mean, if you like him, people come at you. If you don't like him, people come at you. If you say he doesn't deserve to be in the big leagues anymore, people come at you. When you hit the two home runs. He's not going to do it for a long time. Look at his numbers.
2: Well, his numbers were from like eight years ago. It's weird to me too, because like, what is the what's the downside? Like, Abreu's landed on the injured list. You were giving Bly Madris at bat. So, like, even if you're anti John Singleton. He's playing over Bly Adris. Who cares? Like I, I never understood the the risk of, of John Singleton being called up. Like there was a, look, I I agree. There's a small chance of John Singleton having a reward, but there's literally no risk. The risk was that you put Bly Adris on waivers and nobody claimed him. The reward
1: that, is that was the that's risk. A,
2: that's exactly right. The
1: reward is that once a week he hits a tank shot and throws an awesome bat flip, and bat everyone feet. and Twitter loves it. Every, like,
2: the bat flip. I love his bat flips. Oh, they're, they're so, so good. They're, they're ferocious. They are. It's what they are. Big it's, bad John. Are. This is
1: my moment. But, I'm
2: showing up right now. Just, Don't care. Geez, you know what I was worried about, too, when he hit it? Both of them, honestly. I thought they were going to hook foul. Yep. I thought, they were, I thought he flipped the bat and it was going to hook foul. How about the fact that they almost
3: landed in the exact Damn. same spot, too? I mean, and they weren't just like, excuse me, Jobs. They were, they were hit well uh-huh. to where, my God, I mean... You, know, you guys know me. I should probably have a tire sponsor by now. You I'm gave always, up a lot of those? I'm is that always, what you're
2: saying? What? You gave up a lot of those no, tanks? No, that's not oh, what I'm saying. Oh. I'm
3: saying I'm always the guy that says, kick the tires. Yeah. Well, you got a chance to kick the tires on a guy that so far in the short term has done some things to make it look like at least he's better than what you've had to deal with and bring up in another situation where you bring up guys from Sugar Land and they're less than stellar. And now Abreu with the IL is the perfect opportunity where the door is wide
2: open. Give him a shot. Look, I, I think that it's fair to be reasonable and realistic with what he's going to be. Like, I don't think John Singleton is going to hit 300 and hit for a 40 home run pace, but could he be Joey Gallo? Could he hit 200, sure. walk a lot where he's getting on base 33 percent of the time, and then has the occasional home run? I think he can be your Joey Gallo. I think Todd the Show is the one who told me that uh, on Twitter. Maybe somebody told me that he, he could baseball. be. Somebody told me he could be our Joey Gallo. I was like, you know what? That's a great comparison because mm-hmm. John Singleton's probably going to flirt with a 200 batting average, strike but si- he's going to strike out a lot. But Singleton's also going to walk. He has very good. He has a very good eye. Spits on some tough pitches, so I think he's going to get on base over 30 percent of the time. So 200 batting average, 300 on base percentage, and he's going to hit a home run every now and then. Look, I feel better about that than what I felt about Jose Abreu. Sorry. Well, and look, Alex points it out too,
3: but it was it's pretty obvious. The way his footwork worked, was it yesterday or, yeah. or Saturday night, yeah. to slide to the, the high side of the high corner of the bag to give him some extra room to stretch out and get a ball. I don't see Abreu doing those kind of things. I mean, he's not going to hurt you defensively. Well, he's not bat. going to be Abreu. It's the lumbar. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll let that slide as it seems like that's going to be the excuse for Abreu. But He looks like he's capable, serviceable, and maybe with the pop in his bat, a little better than that.
2: Yeah, he looks pretty nimble. You're right. He looks pretty nimble. Seven one three seven eight zero espn the HRP listener line. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. We're on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Mailbag Monday at one thirty. Got some tech. Texans are fighting at training camp. Is that cool? I, I like it, actually. Uh, good, bad, and ugly, though. What is your good, your bad, your ugly from the Astros weekend series? we still got some good to get to. Uh, we'll get to the bad and the ugly as well. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. and ESPN 92.5.
3: Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend, Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograph Procedure. And I mean, if you don't know what it is and you want information or you just know that you need to find somebody because you've got pattern baldness, you're thinning, you've got no hair on top or maybe in your hairline and you think there's nothing you can do about it, you can check it out for free. That's right. No obligation, nothing out of your pocket. Just go to 975hair.com and check out Doc Linville and the Neograft procedure. And it's all expl- explained right there. But if you have questions, you can set up right there when you get onto 975hair.com an appointment. Costs you nothing. Everybody else off the street that doesn't listen to you is paying 975 150 bucks just to meet with them. You get the consultation for free. You ask all the questions, you get all the answers. You see if it's right for you. And if it's not, you walk out the door, no harm done. If you want to get the procedure done, you can hear from me, you can hear from Granado, and you can hear satisfied customers tell you it's a game changer. You actually get your hair back. The hair is longer and stronger and stays with you for the long haul. It's absolutely worth it. To me, the kicker was when I talked to Doc that he told me 95% to 99% of the follicles that he's going to move from genetically the places where it will never go away, which is the sides and the back of your head. It's always going to be there. He moves some of that to where you need it most, whether it be in the front or up on top, And before you know it, the hair that's always going to be there that never falls out, never goes away, starts growing where he puts it, and suddenly you've got more coverage area. You've got more self-confidence. You like the way you look again. It's absolutely fantastic. Check it out today. Go to 975hair.com. Sign up for that free consultation and tell them I sent you by because Doc's the best in the business.
0: You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios.
2: Good, bad, and ugly from the Astros weekend. How about the starting pitching? Uh Justin Verlander was, you know, normal Justin Verlander. You get a lead like that, just you know, eat up some innings and he did that. Uh JP France is a dude, by the way. Two runs, seven innings, JP France is a dude. JP France is good. 274 ERA now on the year for JP France, and I thought Jose Arquidi yesterday Blankers uh, was really good. One yeah. run, five innings. A little bit on the pitch count, only through 80 pitches, but his stuff looks good. He struck out seven guys. Like how often do we see Jose Arquidi punch out seven dudes over five innings? Not it, that often.
3: No, that was my thoughts. I mean, I was I was really on the JP France thing because you know that I was really kind of hot and bothered about the fact that you know they he didn't deserve to be taken out of the rotation when he was, and then when he came in, you know, in that split game, he did very well and then he came in and did what he's been doing by shoving yet again the other day and just showed you that he didn't deserve any of the way he's been treated all year long and it should never happen again this season because the guy is really, really good. He's really, really consistent, and you really need him. So I loved everything that he brought to the table, and with all that said, Urquidy at least is allowing me some sanity to think that I don't have to deal with Blanco and Belak anymore for this season because he did look better. He did look, you know what, it's, And to me, when you look at it, and I was trying to think about, you know, the six-man rotation, the five-man rotation, what they can do, what they will do. But the one thing that I thought about was the difference right now between Hunter Brown and and Urquidy is Hunter Brown's got really, really good stuff, but he's still learning how to pitch. Urquidy doesn't have nearly as good a stuff, but he really knows how to pitch. He knows how to kind of change up his sequencing. He knows how to kind of keep hitters off balance. And he can be effective. Now, I don't know if he can go three times through a lineup or like he can get deeper than what he did, but I do know that what I saw yesterday was enough for me to believe that this is a guy that is getting better.
2: Yeah, he's one of your 12 best pitchers. Right. One of your 11 best pitchers on this staff. He, he, look, I, I I like Jose Arquiti. I think it's important to be realistic with what Jose Arquiti is. He's a back end of the rotation starter on a really good team, but he's won some big games in his career for the Astros in the postseason and in the World Series. No one has more wins in Astros postseason history in the World Series than Jose Arquiti. So Arquiti's been there. He's done that. He's a veteran. And his stuff is looking pretty good. So I was very encouraged with Arquiti. J.P. France is fantastic. It What a story J.P. France is. He's been unbelievable uh, this year. Any other goods before we move on? Those are the last two. that. Oh, I had another one. Okay. Jeremy Pena is quietly producing. Jeremy Pena in his last 17 games is hitting 328 with a 419 on on-base percentage, by the way. His last 17 games, I think it's like 70-ish plate appearances. Jeremy Pena, last year, got hot right around this time. Carried it over to the postseason. Everybody's been knocking Jeremy Pena. And look, Pena's power has disappeared. Like, he's not slugging anything, even in this hot this little stretch where he's been pretty good. But Jeremy Pena is hitting 328 in his last 17 games with a 419 on on-base percentage. That is will play that is good yeah look I noticed this. the multi-hit games it doesn't
3: matter how you get them because Bregman had a couple of bleeders yesterday to where it doesn't matter if you get fisted and jammed or you hit it off the barrel and hit it hard the fact that they're starting to fall in the fact that he's getting multiple hits in games is all the encouragement you need because you and I have been on the bandwagon the entire time that's been a hard time getting people to jump on every so often which is he's a really good above average defensive shortstop you don't have to ever worry about his short his defense. It's yeah. just finding him in the offense and having him feel right to do what he's starting to do again and then hope he can continue it. And this is the same kind of scenario when we were talking about last year to this year and I said expect the kind of Jeremy Peña had a year ago again this year. But everybody was riding high off the playoffs. But if he starts warming up now to where he gets hot in the playoffs again and maybe can possibly take it another notch up, that's all you can ask for from a guy that's really really good defensively at a short at a position where there's not a whole lot of, you know, stellar monster mashers with the bat.
2: No, no, you I mean outside of like your top names. There's right. there's really not. It's not a position that normally hits that well. So it's nice to see Jeremy Peña start to to get some base hits, start to get on base. Would it surprise you if I told you that Jeremy Peña's on-base percentage is 20 points higher than it was a year ago for the entire season? It would surprise me. Jeremy Peña's on-base percentage is 20 points higher this year than it was last year. Now the power is gone. The power has disappeared. But he's getting on base at a higher rate this year than he was last year. Any more goods before we move on to the, say the Tucker? Bags? We didn't say Tucker. Kyle no. Tucker is awesome. We could say it every every Monday. Well, you, could you could say, say it every Monday. Too. Yeah, Altuve. has been on fire. Yeah, yeah, he's just straight scorcher right Until yeah. yesterday.
1: Yeah, his 14 game hit streak yep. yesterday. But I mean, Kyle Tucker is just he's on another planet. Right now. This is the best baseball Kyle Tucker's ever played.
2: I was looking at some of the uh, my Monday prep routine. Usually, I'll look at some of like the league leaders and stuff. Kyle Tucker second in RBIs by one. He's uh, Adolis Garcia has one more RBI than he does. Kyle Tucker's top five in the American League and on base. He's top five in slugging. He's top five in OPS. Kyle Tucker is one of the best offensive players in baseball. Period and story. I don't know how anybody can argue that. Can't can't argue. Can't dispute it. You know, I was his biggest critic coming
3: up because I thought he was very slow to get there and do the things that people were expecting him to do. But now that he's settled in and gotten there, he he hasn't gone anywhere. He continues to get better. He's doing things that, again, when we talk about how Cinderella-esque this season has been, where a lot of people don't realize how many things had to fall into place. One of them was with all the injuries, especially to your two other really big sticks in the lineup with Altuve and Jordan, was to have someone else that could be able to carry the power numbers, do the kind of things he's been able to do, and then continue to do it when these guys come back. And you mentioned it, and Dusty keeps talking about that Jordan's off a tick. Well, Altuve now is just finally settled completely back into being Altuve. When or- Jordan does that, if Tucker's continuing to do this, I mean, look the hell out. This is why the national broadcast was so focused on this. It doesn't matter what they've been to this point. Just There's no team in baseball that wants to see them get healthy and have to face them going forward.
2: Pretty dangerous up top in the rotation with frommberg JV, and then you have some arms that play behind him, behind those two. And then you have, look, I, I'm, I'll say it. The Astros have the best three, four spots in the entire game. They have the best middle of the order, Jordan, Kyle Tucker, than anybody else. Like, who else rivals that? Judge hits first or second for the Yankees and there's nobody else on that team. Shohei hits first or second for the Angels and Trout's hurt right now. Like who rivals Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez 3-4 in a lineup? I think the Astros it have the be best the duo there. The Braves? But I mean Acuña hits leadoff. Well, Olson and Olsen Riley. And, yeah. That's a good call. Yeah. That's a good call. But let's go American League. The best American League 3-4 in all of baseball. They're really good. And I've been, we've been anti-pay-the-man because we don't believe in 10-year contracts to anybody in baseball. They never work. Because Kyle Tucker's been so good and because he was so good this weekend, later in the show, I have a Kyle Tucker extension compromise slash truce that I'm going to try to sell to you guys and I'm going to try to sell it to Kyle Tucker to see if he would sign it. Sell it to the Astros, too, because it is going to require a lot of money.
3: Yeah, no, look, I I think he's been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the fact that he does it so quietly, You know, you get. I I see people scrutinizing. Was he really a superstar? Is he just having a really good year? You know, for for, if you're an Astros fan, you don't care. I I don't think he gets nearly the flowers and accolades and credit that he deserves nationally. But I know that whether it's the best kept secret of Astros fans or it does, you know, get more run nationally, I know he's the damn good baseball player, and I know that they've needed him just immensely. This his contributions
2: this year more than ever, and he's been there, so you can count on him. I mean, two years ago, he was a better hitter than he is this year. So, like, this isn't new. This isn't uncharted waters for Kyle Tucker. No, but because
3: of the circumstances, the fact that he's been able to maintain and do the things that he continues to do, though. Mm -hmm. And and like I said, my only knock was how long it took him to kind of get to this point that everybody expected him to be when he was drafted so highly. But the fact that he's doing what he's doing, and especially in a year with so many trials and tribulations that, you know, could have set teams back and just basically told a lot of teams would have folded up their tents and said, it's just not going to be our year. He's been one of the catalysts that's carried this team. And if, you know, if Jordan and and, and Altuve and everybody else kind of settle in, whether you get sprinkles and icing or not, I, I don't care. There's enough talent
2: there that this team's really scary to look at offensively. 713-780-3776. Good, bad, ugly from the Astros weekend. Let's turn it over to the the bad and the ugly whenever we get back because there are some things, some some things we got to be critical about. We have to do that. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 975 and ESPN 925.
0: Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy.
2: Someone uh, texted into the program. Remember remember last week I got called a racist because I yeah. apparently don't like Dusty Baker. Uh, 4187 Homer Hat Killer Bees are back. Oh, boy. It's the, uh, it's the gauntlet you run when you listen Jeez. to the killer beast <laughs> three where Homer hat someday someday we'll race it well I, I don't want to put that on you, you. don't put that one on me you don't put that one on. I don't want to put that on you 713-780-3776 uh, Ocho my good the smooth and comfortable stylings of the legendary Mr. Jonathan Patrick France my bad Dusty's lack of urgency in pursuit of the Rangers he's managing as if they're leading the division uh, ugly Jose Arquiti's new pitch pace which is as slow as Lance McCullers on the Arquiti thing I wonder if they're doing that because they think it might prevent injury or maybe he's getting more velo like he's living 95 he was he's leaving 95 which he wasn't like this pre-injury
3: no I was a little surprised by that I don't think it was just rest alone but whatever the case and wherever he found it from I like it I hope it I hope it continues um but look I mean kind of going back to what you were saying in terms of where this team is and I was going three and four with the order but I'm also going four and five or three, four and five with the rotation Mm -hmm. and the fact that you have such good options now, you know, if he continues to pitch like this and you've got France pitching the way he's pitching, and I believe Hunter Brown's going to continue to right the ship and Javier is too, that adding Verlander and having the depth that you have, some good pitchers are probably going to be left out of the starting rotation when you get to the playoffs. And that's a great thing because now you've got insurance policies, which we know the Astros dearly love but you've got insurance policies and whoever you don't use gives you better arms in the bullpen. It's just a matter of adjusting to how quickly you can get ready and and coming into high leverage situations. But overall, it's a good thing for the Astros with as many injuries as they've had to the pitching staff to be in the position they are right now to have this kind of starting pitching depth that can roll over to help your bullpen. So I don't have to see Hunter Mashinsky.
2: (laughs) You're over him. He's uh he's like the new Daily Rayleigh. But you know, Dusty needs his lo- his loogie. He needs a loogie. Didn't I have someone in between uh, Rayleigh and Mashinsky? Because Josh somebody... James was before Did, Rayleigh. Are you counting over easy? Overeasy was probably he was a, yeah. he was a starter though. was in
3: my crosshairs all last year, but
2: he wasn't. It wasn't like an apple to an apple comparison though, because he's more of a starter right. than like that like last. And to be honest, his pitching guy. wasn't bad. I just didn't <laughs> like all the crybaby bitchiness and, yeah, and the going to the media and. I don't think I don't think Overeasy is who you're thinking of here. I think no, there, I think I, there I, was, was somebody, somebody last year. I got to think of who. It yeah, was. I can't. I remember there being somebody last year too, but I can't remember. Uh, here's one of my bads: Dusty's refusal to play Yiner Diaz at first base. It was a break. Remember, he worked his way out of it. He, early. He worked his way yeah, out of it quickly. Yeah, though. he like, was on my list. It wasn't a, it wasn't a long sustained period right. of being a Brea because, I mean, you can't. I mean, you, you saw the stuff. And, and I admitted he, it. And yeah. then you, yeah, you did. Um, Dusty's refusal to play Yiner at first base. He had the quotes the other day where Yiner's only played there a little bit, even though he's played like 60 games in the minor leagues. He, they, they act like learning the cutoffs at first base is rocket science. Like Yiner Diaz is not capable of doing that. One other thing, too. Yiner Diaz right now is only starting 2-6 of this rotation. Did you notice Martin Maldonado got the start with Jose Arquiti? Both Jose Arquiti starts have been with Martin Maldonado. So if the Astros are in a six-man rotation, which they're not going to be this time through, they're going to give Hunter Brown, a, they're going to skip his start, move him to the bullpen. But if they're going to a six-man, that means Jiner Diaz is only catching two of those six, so he's only going to catch a third of the time. If it's a five-man, he's well, they just kicked out his Hunter Brown. They kicked out one of his starts. So this current five-man rotation, Yiner Diaz has one of those five guys. Jordan's going to DH at least half the games, probably more. So if they refuse to play Yiner Diaz at first base, that means Yiner Diaz is a 30%, 40% starter. And other than that, he's coming off the bench in the other 60 games.
3: That's not acceptable.
2: I don't like this dusty take refusal your off right now. to play Yiner at first base. Yeah, take your it's hat ridiculous. off right now and I'll take well, because I didn't let's bring just the be honest. Today.
3: Let's just, yeah, we're not wearing in the Homer hats we're calling it like it is and and we've said overall and I've been more adamant than you on the fact that lefty righty I don't care he has to be in that lineup offensively no matter where you play him defensively now I know after the Miami series to come home uh, later in the week playing left field might be a better option for Jordan at home and, and I know Dusty feels comfortable with him there so maybe that's where you get the Yiner starts and get him at DH so he gets more at bats but you can't be just trying to makeshift this week to week This guy's got to find a spot in the lineup offensively because you're chasing the Rangers, because there's still so much to play for, because you're playing catch up and you need your best offensive lineup out there. This guy, no matter if Singleton pans out or not, this guy needs to play in the lineup every day.
2: I, yeah. I mean, I know you're. I I hesitate with the lefties, although he hit the lefties fine on Friday now. That was a reverse split lefty, and then Saturday he didn't hit a normal lefty. So, like, I hesitate there, but. But to say that Yonder D is only going to start thirty to forty percent of your games because you're unwilling to play him at first base is a very big mistake. Like that is that is criminal, criminal from Dusty Baker. But
1: it seems like he's unwilling to put him behind the plate too.
2: Maybe he's only going to—he's only catching two of the six starters. Yeah, he's and, catching Hunter Brown. He's catching J.P. France, and now Hunter Brown's going to have his uh, start skipped. So he's starting one of the five guys in this rotation.
1: Yeah, and, and I get why the starting pitchers like—they have their preference. I'm not going to tell those guys to change their preferences. Like they never would. Dusty wouldn't try that. If they want Maldi, they get Maldi. I get it. But this guy's got to play more. And this is this is—it's just like the Yordan problem. Like if you can't play Yordan in the left field then you almost can only have players that can play the field anywhere else.
2: I mean, he should, play, he should be playing first, though. Like, that's the solution. But Dusty
1: I, just doesn't agree.
2: I know, but that's a problem. Like, if we're going to say that Yiner's only going to catch one-fifth or two-sixth of the Astro starting rotation, okay, like you said, the starting pitchers are saying they want to throw to them. The hidden intangibles, okay, like, I don't like that explanation, but it's, like, the reality of it. I'll concede that point to the pitchers. I'll concede that point to Dusty. But you have to be creative in finding ways to get him in the lineup. Now, I don't love Jordan Alvarez playing left field a ton because I want him wrapped in bubble wrap. Jordan rolled number three. i, I don't, I'm scared of him getting hurt again because he is critical to your playoff success. If Jordan gets hurt, your ceiling lowers. It, it diminishes, which means because Jose Abreu's been lousy and because he's hurt right now. Look, John Singleton's a great story. I want to see more of John Singleton whenever Jordan plays left field. But John Singleton should not be getting first base at bats ahead of Yonor Diaz. I'm sorry. I love Singleton's story. Back. But whenever you fill out the lineup card and Maldonado's your catcher and Jordan's your DH that day, then Yiner Diaz needs to be at first base. And Dusty's refusing to do it, and that's why he lands on my list of bad.
3: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, John Singleton's a great story. He can pan out for you from time to time. He's a better option than Bly Madras, Kessinger, and a lot of the other options that you've had to deal with all season long. But that doesn't mean that he suddenly takes this flying leap over Yiner Diaz. Yiner Diaz's numbers are unbelievable for a rookie. Yiner Diaz's numbers in a short sample size of games is maximizing the opportunity and doing things again. Another one of those guys that is the reason why you're still in the middle of this whole race and playoff picture with all the things you've had to endure. This dude, and again, we're di- we, we differ slightly, but we both believe in him. in the fact that I am adamant about the fact he should be yeah. in the lineup every single day
2: because... He's warranted it. He deserves it. He's earned it. For the record, I'm coming closer and closer to your side. Like, especially with a Bray you out. Like, who do you want playing first base against lefties, Jiner or Singleton? Like, that's kind of close, and Singleton hit some homers against lefties, so it kind of throws a wrinkle to the equation. But I'm closer to your side of the argument uh, more and more every day. All right, any more bads and uglies before we read a few of these texts? Uh, Hunter Mashinsky. Okay, yeah. Uh, Lower lumbar inflammation for Abreu, I consider that ugly. I I hope it's the reason he's having a disastrous 2023. I hope they can figure it out in the offseason. I hope Abreu is 100% and healthy going into next year. I hold my breath, but I hope that's the reason he's been so bad in 2023.
3: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I hope that's the last-ditch excuse that actually is meaningful and it pans out to be that because, as you know, I tried to stay as positive and believe in him All season long, believing in June, believing, you know, turning the corner. Oh, he's finding it. Oh, the home run stroke. And then time after time after time, it just fails. I hope that it was a season... I Really, I don't wish injury on anybody, but in this case, I hope that it was a nagging season-long injury that he's been dealing with, which is the answer... To what everybody's been searching for is why the hell is this the Abreu they signed for nineteen million dollars a but year?
1: What's so weird is like he he alluded to that that it happened earlier in the season, then it got better, and then now it's gotten much worse. Why wasn't there an aisle stint before this? Like, I was begging what? for one, remember? I, I, and then he got hot.
2: There hasn't been a first baseman they wanted to take a look at.
1: I guess, but like if you're back, but like it at should that, have been Yiner, but at that age, Yiner.
3: I can tell you why too, Joe, because Dusty was afraid to do it with his, his loyalty hurt. to a veteran. He didn't
2: want to sit him down,
1: but like he's hurt. Like you you're back But is, you're fighting the player. Maybe he didn't want to sit. But he has to know he sucks.
2: Probably should have traded for a bat too if you knew this was going on.
1: I mean, I guess maybe they thought that at the time the way Abreu described it yesterday, I think it was McTaggart, had the the, the tweets was like it got better as they got closer to the all star break, mm-hmm. as he was really hot. And I wonder if they thought that he was just good to go. But do they need to trade for a bat if Dana Brown's confident in Yanner Diaz at first? Don't forget C.
2: No, they don't. But he's not confident. He Yardia's at first. Well, See.
1: Dusty's well, not. Dana. Dana is,
3: yeah. Dusty's not. That's why Dana didn't make a trade. See. What? Sprinkles and icing. Maybe. Well, Sprinkles we, and icing. As much as I've written him off I, and don't want to talk about him, I think Dana, and we're hearing it again, there's little yeah. rumors coming out again and little tidbits coming out again that we're going to go through another rehab I mean, stint. Dana
2: said it himself. Yeah, yeah Dana said we went, it himself on Astros Radio. Because
1: we went from D- Dusty said. Basically, Brian McTaggart's been like, "I'm done asking." Uh, yeah, him. he, he got frustrated <laughs> because, and then they said that they'll let us know basically. But then the next day, you know, Dana Brown on the radio said he's going to probably go off for a rehab stint, or could he could go out for a rehab stint soon. That's the only thing that annoys me with it is
2: there's still that could. Well, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna hedge their bet. But they're going to hedge their bet because they're, they're they're worried that Brantley's going to be like, oh yeah, it's inflamed again, just it's hurting a, again. But forget the rehab start. Just put I, him I on was the thinking the same thing. Eh. Screw Sugarland. Just Altuve did it. Just throw him out there yes. and see what he can do. But who are you know right? sending down now? You're sending down Singleton. No, Kessinger. No, Kessinger. Now, you, you have a problem with the, your infield depth now. Well, you still got like, yeah, to wait. you still have Dubon. I, I, think, I think the earliest that Michael Brantley could be up here September 1st for when the rosters expand, yeah. to, be, to be completely honest. I think
1: that's really optimistic, Chairman. No, I'm <laughs>
2: saying the earliest possible. Y'all said call him up right now. Like, the earliest possible is when the rosters expand. I, he's I not taking I, anybody's I said, roster spot.
1: I said call him yeah. up right now. You did, yeah.
2: But, when he's ready. And then you called me optimistic for saying September but 1st. But, no, it that doesn't <laughs> mean that I just think you're still being optimistic. <laughs> but no, you know that— I'm saying the earliest. I'm not saying that's when—
3: you guys know that the whole thing with me is it's just the frustration of having been teased this long, you know, this many times, always close, always rehabbing, always played a couple of games, always even played first. Oh, no, they get no nope, nope, Oh, he's I now it's even I mean, more discomfort than ever. We're he, shutting him down. I don't want to get my hopes up, but <laughs> if he's
2: getting close to being able to play, Put him in the, put him in and see what he can do. He left Sugar Land to join the team in Seattle, and he joined the team. And they're like, "Oh no, his shoulder got inflamed on the flight. <laughs> He's gonna be he'll be back in three months. <laughs> it's awful." Six nine four one. Good Singleton looking better than a Abreu. He does. A uh, bad Astros main hitters leaving so many players or so many runners in scoring position. That was true certainly yesterday. Ugly walking the bases loaded for Montero. Montero did not give up an earned run yesterday. Didn't give up a run. Period. Uh, by the way, uh, 3-4-0-3. Altuve scorching hot. Benched. Pena finally hitting bench now. Altuve. Get benched. Uh, right-handed pitcher, not JV or Fromber. Diaz benched. Surprise, we lose. Uh, we need to line up like we're trailing with less than a month. Uh, that, that's kind of the interesting thing. I wonder how much... Certainly the Astros want to win the division. Certainly they want to win the division. But are they okay-ish just being a wild card? I would hope not. To, with the only exception to that being
3: matchups. you know, it, And it's too close to call to where you can't really... You know how teams would mail in their last game or two in the NBA if they knew the positioning was better for them with a matchup that they liked more I don't think it, I think it's too early to be able to try and put yourself in that position with Seattle getting hot and right on your heels and you're right on the heels of Tampa. I just think that there's too much that can change, and I don't think they could be looking at matchups right now to where. It does. It, I think that's one of the things that does bother me is the fact that I have to keep reminding, I, I'm hoping Dusty hears it at some point, but that they're playing catch-up. They're trying to catch the Rangers, and I don't really feel a lot of urgency yet, maybe that's the case, but I wish they would because I know that with this lineup, as long as it gets healthy, this team is fully capable of catching the Rangers and, dare I say, blow their doors off a little bit and create some distance, but... I don't think they put the right lineups out there day to day.
2: 8548, why would you trade for a bat when guy when you guys have talked the last 10 minutes about having too many bats that can't get on the field? How does anything you've said make any sense? Because of Yiner. Like, if Yiner yeah. played first base, you're fine. You're fine. You're okay. But you're getting below average production from first all year. I pray you. Maybe Singleton can give you average production. That's probably wishful thinking. And because Yiner does not play first base. You don't have too many bats. You have a huge hole at first base in terms of production because of Dusty's refusal to play Yiner there. That's how that that guy's
3: got it. That guy's still ticked off because Grandma raised the rent on the basement and they took. She took away a hot meal and gave him more chores. So he's been taking shots. It's fine. It's what they do when they can hide on the
2: six seven six one of the team is just okay being a wild card. Everyone should be fired. That 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 might be your burner because I think that steals your word straight out of your mouth. Not. Paraphrasing. 713 780 3776. The Mets are calling Justin Verlander a diva. Let's be honest, he probably is, but he's our diva. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97 5 and ESPN 92 5. Something else that should be yours is these uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars. How can you become a millionaire? It's simple. You win the Circa million or the Circa survival. Survivor. You win either one of these things, at least a million dollars is yours. Between the two contests, million in guaranteed prizes, and there's no rank. The biggest football contest in Vegas back for their fifth year at Circa Sports. Head to Circa. Enter in Las Vegas, and the beauty of this bad boy is you can play from anywhere. You can play back home in Houston. You can play from your couch. You can play at work. Joe plays in the production room all the time, wherever, because you can play anywhere once you enter in Vegas. Two contests, first one I'll tell you about. The Circa Million Football Contest with $6 million in total prizes. Quarterly payouts, too. So if you're hot in the second quarter of the season, you're going to get money. If you're hot in the last quarter of the season, you're going to get money. And again, there's no rake. You can only get that at Circa. The top prize for the Circa Million Football Contest, contest is, you guessed it, $1 million. You'll pick five teams against the spread weekly, and the winner takes home a million bucks. If you want to play in their survivor pool, we've all done that. The Circus Survivor, though, the biggest prize you'll find, $8 million in the Circus Survivor. It's simple. You know how to play a survivor. You pick a winner straight up, no spread, and you can win big. If you're the lone survivor, a guaranteed $8 million dollars is yours bigger money than ever before contests are open now you don't want to miss out enter in vegas play from anywhere visit circusports.com for more details
0: most bees make honey these killer bees make great sports insights but they also make honey don't ask about the process from the veritex community bank studios it's joel and jeremy
2: Justin Verlander was called a diva by the New York Mets. Some some thoughts that there might have been tension between Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, which is no surprise. Uh, whenever Justin Verlander signed with the Mets, they had tension back in Detroit. You know, two different cats, two different guys. I don't think calling Justin Verlander a diva is that inaccurate, if I'm being completely honest. I think once upon a time, his own teammates in Houston called him a diva. Stay and home and don't throw out the first pitch. Stay home and don't throw out the first pitch in the playoffs. I also, like, I mean, he's got the private jets. He's married to a supermodel, actress, all of that. I don't care if he's a diva, though, because you can earn diva status by how you perform. Like, there are different rules for every player. on Alvarez hits a home run and flips the bat is a little different than Jose, Asir, Jose Siri hitting a home run and flipping the bat. When you're Justin Verlander and you have Hall of Fame credentials, you can get away with things that JP France can't. That's just the reality of the situation. So is, is calling Justin Verlander a diva unfair, inaccurate? Personally, I don't think so. I think there's I think been examples where he is that, but he has earned the right to be a diva.
3: I, I, I think more and more, Jeremy, and we've seen this. This goes back to like when Cal Ripken Jr. was the first guy to say that I don't want to take the team bus from the hotel to the the stadium. I want a limousine, and I don't want to stay in the same hotel. And then all of a sudden, A Rod and everybody else started doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Verlander and Scherzer are very much two peas in the same pod, but they just don't want to admit it to anybody else. And they can, you know, I, they've always been kind of contentious. This was go. This is like UCLA when you had. Garrett Cole and you had Trevor Bauer. They hated each other, but as teammates they were damn good. You look at Scherzer and I'll give you the examples that it's it's funny that I think he's pointing fingers at Verlander like he's the only one. This is the guy that got called out on national TV because his manager tried to talk to him between innings and just slap him on the butt and he turned around and said, "Did you just f-and talk to me? Don't ever f-and talk to me again." Like this is baseball, this is a team sport and you are not that above everybody. I get it. Your credential state that hey on game days if you don't talk or you don't do this or you don't do that teammates respect that that's your damn manager yeah
2: I don't I I, I really don't mind that a whole lot from Scherzer I kind of like the Bulldogs but I also don't mind Justin Verlander he's your manager I, I get it I get it but I, I'm not even sure that some managers wouldn't like that either like he's kind of your bulldog he's your gamer but again Scherzer like if, we we see you know we're not eye to eye on that but he's also earned the right to maybe get away with that or get away with that from some people could. A rookie do that? Absolutely not. Can Justin Verlander get away from doing treatment away from the? Yeah, absolutely he can because he's a Hall of Famer. Could Roger Clemens not make road trips because he's Roger go. Clemens? Exactly. Yeah, he could because he's a Hall of Famer. So you earn that right. Justin Verlander earned that right. And I think five three five seven brings up a good point. He says it's just tacky. I agree. Like that stuff should, should should stay in the clubhouse. That stuff stays in the clubhouse. Have the Astros ever had any issue with Justin Verlander when he's healthy? No. Is he a little bit of a diva even when he's healthy? Yeah, he is is because he's earned it. The only time the Astros ever had the issues is when he was away from the team the entire season and they were trying to get him to throw out the first pitch and I think it was Carlos Correa and a couple of the leaders were like "Eh, let's keep him away. Okay they kept him away but it also didn't prevent Justin Verlander from re-signing with the Houston Astros that very offseason. So I agree it is tacky five three five seven to make that to, to air out the dirty laundry is tacky and it kind of speaks to who the Mets were this year. This shouldn't be a shock to fans of any sport or any big
3: time athlete. Go back to the last dance and realize Michael Jordan had his own locker room. Yeah. And you had to knock to, to get entrance or get close to him. And then you had to ask him for tickets. And he was at home, but also on the road. He got his own locker room in every building that they could accommodate. And he was separate. But you know what? There's not a guy in that locker room that said, I don't want to play with that dude. I'm done with that dude. That guy, I mean... His airness was his airness for a reason. Sure, that's a diva. Sure, that's a little bit over-the-top-ish. But guess what? At the end of the day, if he goes out and plays like an MVP and carries your team and gets you rings and all kinds of things, there ain't a whole lot of guys that wouldn't want to sign up for that.
2: Yeah, you live with that. You live with that based on who they were. My favorite part of this article, though, on the New York Post said that a Met told Puma— I don't know who Puma is. Maybe it was the author. No, I don't even know who Puma is. But a Met told— somebody, that Verlander was a diva who was detached from his Met teammates and complained about how the team's analytics department was not at the level as the one he worked with during his first stint with the Astros.
1: Yeah, he basically said, you guys suck.
2: That's the part that that, that cracks me up. Like, Justin Verlander is giving them suggestions on how we can get better, and the Mets take that as, oh, he's a diva. He's trying to make us a better baseball team. How dare Justin Verlander, a Hall of Fame pitcher that you gave $43 million a year to how dare him offer up suggestions on how the New York Mets, who have been the, one of the biggest disasters in the last decade in baseball, one of the most disappointing teams in all of baseball in the last decade, similar to the New York Yankees, how dare him give the Mets a suggestion on how they can get better at baseball? This isn't Beltron and Cora trying
3: to tell you to get better at cheating. This is a veteran coming into your locker room and telling you, hey, as a team, with the aspirations that your owner has based on all the money he's throwing around and how he's trying to publicly state he wants to be better than the Yankees and he wants to win a world series. This is one way we can do that and get our pitching staff better. I mean, I think you should be very, very open and receptive to those kind of things. It's not like him telling you the wrong things or telling you stupid things about like what beverages and what meals he has to be served on the planes and in the hotels. He's telling you how everyone on the staff can benefit from upgrading their analytics.
2: Alex uh, misspelled Mets. He said Mets mad because they're losing. Todd the Show said, That's why I can't stand when people say that the Astros abandoned analytics. Here, Justin Verlaner took to Twitter not that long ago in response to this. Right before we went on the air, an hour ago, Justin Verlaner tweeted, and doesn't tweet often. I, I want to say that I have nothing but respect. He takes the high road, this diva. I want to say that I have nothing but respect for the Mets organization, and I enjoyed connecting with all of my teammates this season. New and old, it truly was a wonderful group of people. That being said, we all know the success of a team is made up of more than just the players on the field. Everyone's input is valuable. I'm sorry to hear that a staff member took offense to constructive criticism on how we could improve. Wish nothing but the best to the Mets moving forward. So classy from our diva, Justin Verlander. But you're
3: right. I mean, when you see a lot of the times, the way he carries himself, some of the stories we've heard, other things, like you said, from being married to Kate Upton to the only guy at the white house to be wearing like a a, a like a yellow it's gold. gold he said it was gold yeah, like he a, said it was gold it didn't look like a yellow <laughs> you know blazer to make sure in every picture and every opportunity with the media he stood out and we knew who he was that this is who this guy is but he's got a hall of fame career going for him and he is one of the best pitchers in baseball and he's on your team again, and I don't think anybody in the locker room is gonna turn and walk away and say, I don't want to play with that dude because he's gonna give suggestions.
2: What a weird what a weird thing to come out. Like it's, that's, it's, milk, that's really. it's New so York Mets. to a T.
1: This is so this is so New York Mets so disaster. York. Just like, oh, we didn't like him because he tried to make us better.
2: Shea is burning. It's like it's absurd.
1: Well this all is all what things. happens
3: when <laughs> it, it spilled milk times ten, right? This is what happens when your owner does open up the checkbook and just spends every penny that on earth to try and make your team better. And then everybody starts getting on the bandwagon that this is the year, this is the team that's going to do big things. And then when you crap the bed, you look to point fingers, place blame, and then make sure it wasn't me, cover your ass. I just can't
1: wait to like ALCS... Game Seven, oh, no, no, Justin no, no. Game Verlander, Four,
2: going for the sweep.
1: Yeah, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer on the mound, and Mets fans and Frank the Tank
2: are gonna be crying. Oh yeah, kind of like whenever Carabas trolled the Yankees over oh, yeah. the Astros. Oh, I can't remember what series it was, but it was hilarious. He does it all the time. It was, but he was like in there watching with them, and he was oh, like, I remember, remember that. he was like yeah.
1: clapping hey, and oh, cheering. You eat pop champagne. Yeah, it was 2019.
2: It was 19. Okay, I yeah. knew it was the recent one. One seven zero six Yav JV has earned the right to be a diva. Check his record. His career is head and shoulders above. Above anyone on the Mets. Verlander may be a diva for the most part, uh, but the Mets are a team full of spoiled baseball players who can't win. You said it nicely. 1706 713 ESPN the Boy, HRP nice. listener line. Uh remember when the Texans fan base was really upset about the uh the Texans losing to the Colts, actually beating the Colts. I always get those backwards because that win was a loss. Remember when the Texans fan base was really upset when they beat the Colts week 17 cost them the first round dra- the first pick of the draft. Those comments have settled down. We haven't seen those in a very, very long time. But at what point does that conversation pop back up? 713-780-3776. Killer bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.